Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. We have to be intentional about how we're fueling our body or else we're never going to get our period back. So that's what I had to do. I was like, okay, I'm, I've been eating intuitively for the past how many years and that's not working for me, right? Like just going by my hunger cues, that's clearly not working for me. So how can I be intentional. Like, what do I know um, about what my body needs right now? Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the super mama I know you are. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so excited about the episode that I have for you today. I have a really incredible guest on and we are talking about a really cool topic that I've touched on with a couple of the other guests that I've had on. Um, You know, we have a lot of guests on who have had you know, rocky journeys with their relationship with food, either eating disorders or disordered eating. And what the guest is going to be talking about is a really common problem that a lot of women who have gone through eating disorders and disordered eating have experienced. But her story is really unique and really incredible how she was really truly able to heal her body and her relationship with food. So I'm very excited to introduce you to our guest. My guest today is Meg Dahl. She's a registered holistic nutritionist, certified spiritual coach, and founder of the Nourished and Free Collective, an online holistic wellness space for women wanting to reconnect with the brilliance of their bodies and the wisdom of nature. Meg is passionate about guiding women to to mental strength, emotional intelligence, and a loving relationship to self through her online holistic business. You can connect with Meg on Instagram at IamMegDoll, her website MegDoll.com, or feel like you're having a weekly hangout with her on her podcast, The Unbreakable You Podcast. 
So today we talk all about her journey with hypothalamic amenorrhea. And I know that sounds like a really big word, but it simply means a missing period due to imbalanced hormones, due to her journey with food and her relationship with food and her body. So we dig into her journey with food and healing both her relationship with food and her body. And after, she'll tell her story more, but after 12 years of not having a period, being able to get her period back, what that looked like, we do talk about specifics. We do talk about calories, both um, really just from a sense of, you know, energy and what her body actually needed to be able to heal, not in a restrictive sense of things but I think it's really important and powerful to the point of what her body really truly needed to heal. We also talk about body image and how she dealt with the changes that her body went through and how she embraces her body fully now and her best tips for you to embrace your own body in your journey to healing your relationship with food, if you also struggle with hypothalamic amenorrhea, and really just embracing our ourselves as women. It was an incredible conversation. I had such a great time talking with Meg and I can't wait for you to listen to our conversation. I do want to make a really quick note that at the very beginning of the podcast, I had some really strange audio issues on my end. Meg sounds perfect, but At the very beginning, when I welcome her, I had some really strange, jumpy audio. So to prevent your ears from exploding, I decided to just remove the initial introduction where I say hi to Meg. So when you hear the podcast, you'll hear me just, you'll hear her just jump into saying hi back to me and we move on with our conversation. There's one other little weird audio thing that happens at about minute three and everything else is back to normal after that. So I don't think it should disrupt our episode and I know that you are going to love this conversation. So without further ado, here I am welcoming Meg onto the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. Honestly, it's an honor to be here with you. Well, I love to start with just a little icebreaker, something super simple so they can just get to know you a little bit better in a, in a very simple way. So what do you drink first thing in the morning when you wake up? Ooh, this is so fun. Okay, so I have a large glass mason jar that I drink my morning little like elixir out of every single morning. So I'm I do really well with like warm to more hot water. Um, I'm really into human design, by the way. And it's cool that my human design like nutrition profile, it suggests that I drink hot water and eat hot food and things like that. So anyways, my morning drink is warm water mixed with liquid chlorophyll Mm. and a drop of doTERRA lemon essential oil. And then I always like that little bit of tang in my water as well. So I do a little bit of ACB too. And so it's my little morning elixir. And I find that the chlorophyll, the liquid chlorophyll has helped my hormones so much. Um, And I know we'll be talking a little bit more about that um, throughout the episode. So yeah. 
Oh, I love that. I love this question because everyone is so different. I have so many people who are like, you know, coffee first thing. And then a lot of people who are like a glass of water. And I love when there's like some sort of elixir or something a little bit different. I love chlorophyll in my water too, but I have not thought of doing it first thing in the morning. Typically, I do just lemon water first thing in the morning, but I love that combination. It's so good. And yeah, it's been making me feel so good too. So you should try it. (laughs) Well, it's the best when it makes you feel good. I mean, I think that's, that's what we're going to talk about this whole time. But yeah, I am going to have to try that. (laughs) So I already shared your bio with my listeners, but I would love if you could just share a little bit more about who you are and what you're passionate about bringing to the world. Yeah, for sure. So I'm McDowell. As everyone knows, I'm a registered holistic nutritionist, and I'm also a spiritual coach. And I feel like that term doesn't really do the work that I do justice. Some people hear spiritual coach, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, But what that just means is I help my clients like reshape their belief system. So we look at the beliefs or misunderstandings that they've formed about themselves throughout their life. And I help them free themselves of those beliefs and misunderstandings through holistic and heart-based healing methods. So my background really started, I actually went to university um, to become a registered dietitian because I struggled with eating disorders throughout my childhood and my teens and university years even. My eating disorders really like followed me around for a while, but my dietitian was a major player in my recovery and she really inspired me to go to university and study dietetics and it was just a dream of mine to support at least one woman through her recovery someday. So I went to school, studied dietetics, and realized that I just couldn't really see myself um, in a hospital setting or doing um, the things that we were kind of um, told what a dietitian would be doing. And I also had this urge to just keep learning. And so I was called to continue studying. I studied holistic nutrition. And that's really where my career began as a registered holistic nutritionist. And now I specialize in helping women heal their relationships with food. So I work with women who Um, you know, struggle with disordered eating or eating disorders. But also, I have had a 12 year battle with hypothalamic amenorrhea. So I had no period due to an eating disorder and then just not ever getting it after that. And I recently, well, I got it back um, in August of 2019, and that was a really big moment, obviously, in my life after not having a period for 12 years, and I got really passionate about that area of health for women because so many of us don't talk about that challenge. It's very normalized. And there are recommendations about how to get your period back. 
But there's also a lot of things that I feel like mentally and emotionally aren't talked about. And that's really what I wove into my journey. And I feel like that is why I had an maybe an easier time than most people with like all of the changes that my body went through because I did that mental and emotional work. So that is like one of my favorite things to talk about is becoming more mentally strong and having emotional intelligence and really creating a loving relationship with your body. Oh my gosh. I have like chills so many times as you're sharing your story too, because I have so many parallels to my story. And I think that's one of the reasons I told you that I've been following you since like way back when you had your other podcast, the Nourish podcast with Sean, um, and hearing your story and your journey. And I had a very similar path with my career as well. And also with eating disorders and all that. So I can, I can resonate with that so much. And I love how you've taken those struggles that you've had over the years, and you've turned them into this incredible career and this space where you encourage so many women and in such a positive way. And not that other people in the space aren't, you know, approaching this with positivity, but I think you just radiate this like really positive energy into the world. And so I, I really love that. So uh -huh. Thank you. That makes me so happy. You're welcome. And that's that's why I was so excited to have you on. Not only, I mean, to share your to share your story for sure, but I think your approach is really unique as well in, in how you help other women. So like I said, I have been following your journey for a number of years. So I kind of want to want to take a step back a little bit and and dig a little bit deeper into that that moment in time because I know you you struggled with your eating disorder, you know, when you were in high school and when you were in college, but you still didn't get your period back. And there was still this point in time where I think you, you know, you were in this place of having healed from your eating disorder, but your body still hadn't fully healed. So was there a moment or a you know a, a time where you realize that you are you know the way your body your the way your body was working or, or maybe not working wasn't aligned with the healing that you've done from your eating disorder did you have that shift oh totally yeah so it was in August of 2018 so like a year before I got my period back. Um, and of course, obviously, as a holistic nutritionist, I'm also a restorative wellness solutions um, practitioner. So obviously, I knew it was not normal to be getting a period. But also, there was like, kind of that, I mean, I hadn't had a period since grade 10. Yeah. <laughs> so it just felt like very normal to me that I didn't have a period. And I talked about beliefs before. So many of us, like we all hold these false beliefs about ourselves and about things within our life, right? And I think I was holding on to some beliefs about my body's ability to actually function properly because of all the trauma and damage I've done to it over the years. So I kind of actually lost belief that I could even function properly as a woman. And then it got to a point where, like I said, it was August of 2018, when I just was really 
over thinking that this was like normal for me. I knew it wasn't normal for anyone else. So it was like, okay, why is this normal for me? And I just felt like the only reason why it felt normal for me was because it had been just such a long time of me living my life that way. So like you said, although I was recovered from an eating disorder, my body never actually had like fully recovered in order to get a period, right? So that was the moment in time where I decided to just go all in as so many people call it, according to Dr. Nicola Rinaldi, she wrote a book, No Period, Now What? And she kind of coined the term all in. And I just figured, I'm just going to do this and see if it works. And a year later, I got my period back. (laughs) So, so cool. I can't even imagine 12 years. Did you talk to and like any doctors during this point? Like what did, what did they say to you when you told them or did you tell them that it had been so long since you had your period? Yeah, so I was definitely holding on to this identity of I had an eating disorder and now I'm like recovered from an eating disorder. So if that came up with doctors of not having a period, it was like, oh, well, I lost it when I had my eating disorder in high school. And it was just kind of like always, oh, oh, okay. You know, and then it was just like brushed to the side. It was like, oh, she lost it because of that. Oh, that makes so much sense. And then it was just, now let's move on, right? And it kind of pains me too because I was working with a female doctor. So that's even more now that I'm like so passionate about this. I'm like, I just can't believe that there was never a moment where she was actually like, okay, this isn't right, you know? It Like you should have gotten it back by now. Um, so yeah, that's, still really weird to me. But um, I would bring it up that I didn't have it, but it was just kind of always pushed to the side. So it was really up to me and coming to that moment where I knew it wasn't right. And that I had to make a change. And I actually did it without any doctor's help. So that even feels better. Yeah, I can imagine how empowering that is, making that decision for yourself and then pursuing it, especially when doctors brushed it aside. It's such an important part of being a woman and just the way our female physiology works. But it is kind of brushed to the side as one of those things. Well, it's, it's necessary. But like you said, they were like, oh, well, you lost it because of that. So... That's just that. But that's crazy to me. I know that when I was going through, I had an eating disorder in high school as well. When I was going through that, I had lost my period for like three years. And I remember going to the doctor and her asking me if I had a period. And I was like, yeah, it's been a few months. And it had been like three years. And she was like, oh my goodness, well, I'm going to put you on birth control. So she put me on the pill so that I would have it because she had this idea, like she knew that it was important for me to have that bleed, but we know it's not 
it's not real. It's the breakthrough bleed. Um, but I thought that when I came off of it, I wasn't sure if I would ever get it back either. And it definitely, mm-hmm. it took time. It took a, it took a number of months afterwards because I was on it for years um, for it to come back. But it's crazy that the reaction is like either nothing at all or just give you a pill or, and everything's yeah. fine. So yeah, I love that you took that approach to take your health into your own hands and go, no, this doesn't feel normal. I'm going to make these changes. So yeah, at that point in August 2018, where you're like, okay, I've made this decision, I'm going to take back this really important element of my health. Where did you start? Yeah. So it's really weird. I don't even know how it happened, but I made this decision and then it was like that night I was just so hungry. And here's another thing that a lot of women who don't have a period because of disordered eating or even eating disorders, they're like actually intentionally restricting their food. And I was actually eating and I hope it's okay for your audience if like I kind of throw out numbers because I do think it's important. And when I shared numbers with my audience, I got so much feedback and they were like, thank you so much because that made so many light bulbs go off. So I wasn't like tracking my food, but at the beginning of the process of me trying to start getting my period back. Um, I was just really curious as to where I was um, with my intake. So I opened up my fitness pal and popped in a few days of just like normal eating. And I was at about 1800 calories. So that was not super low. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it was clearly not enough for my body. And I definitely wasn't like intentionally just eating that amount. That's just where my body naturally guided me. Um, and then the moment I decided that I was going to do this like thing called all in and just eat all the food and not really work out anymore. Um, I was just like ravenous. It was so weird. Um, But it made the whole process a lot easier. And then once I actually started eating more, I I was actually hungry consistently for more food on a regular basis. So yeah, that's really how it started was eating more food And also just reading that book, No Period, Now What? Um, It just kind of gave me that momentum to be like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. It's, you know, real. And I, so many other women have gone through it. I think that's really important to know that it's not just you. You're not broken. Like, And I think that was another thing that was playing in my head. It was like, oh, I've done so much damage to my body. Mm. I'm probably never going to get my period back. So why even try type thing? But so many women have gone through this. And, you know, if someone's listening right now thinking the same way I was thinking two years ago, that you probably would never be able to get it back. 
hear someone talking right now who didn't have a cycle for 12 years and now I've had it consistently since I've gotten it back in August, um, which makes me so proud um, to say and like so grateful for my body. But yeah, I, for me, it was very much um, making sure I was eating more food because the exercise for me wasn't so much um, my issue. And that's different for every woman, right? Um, for some women, they're eating tons of food, but they're also over-exercising like crazy. For me, I was moving my body pretty appropriately. There were a few things that I changed for sure, but overall, it was definitely me seeing like, okay, clearly 1,800 calories isn't enough for my body, and adding on like another thousand calories to that, right? Oh my gosh, I can imagine that's so scary for some of the women hearing that. And I'm totally okay with the numbers because it's applicable to to what you're talking about now. I think I'm sure there's so many women out there that are like, what? You had to eat how much food? Because I think that there is this still this huge like idea that we have to eat a certain amount. And I've heard you use, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard you use this on like social media before, or maybe it was your podcast, this phrase of um, like intentional eating versus intuitive eating, where you're still eating intuitively, and you're still checking in with your body, and you're still, you know, eating when you're hungry, but you had to eat a little bit more intentionally, because even though you were serving your body the best way you know how, something was still off. And I think that it can be so powerful figuring out that point where you're like, okay, I feel like I'm doing the right thing for my body, but something else is still off, so something needs to change. And then taking that step can be really scary, but look where it brought you after 12 years. Mm -hmm. Girl, I love talking about intuitive eating and intentional eating and like what the difference is between those because that was another hang up that I had and as someone who has also gone through an eating disorder um I'm sure you can relate to this but but maybe not maybe you didn't have maybe you weren't clinging on to this like I did but it was like I spent so many years battling an eating disorder that I felt like I deserved just to eat intuitively, like not think about food and just eat. And that's kind of what led me to not having a period for so many years, because in the back of my mind, I kind of knew that, okay, if I'm going to start eating more food, I'm going to actually start thinking about food more and being like more intentional about eating more food than I even want to be eating type thing, right? So I really clung on to this quote unquote intuitive eating thing. And I think so many of us have a really skewed definition of what intuitive eating actually is. So many women, I would say the majority of women think intuitive eating is literally hunger cues. It's just 
eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full. Because if you're on social media, that's what the average like nutritionist or like health coach guru type person is going to tell you what it is. They eat when they're hungry and they stop when they're full and everything's all great. But for those of us who have struggled with disordered eating or eating disorders, our hunger cues can be really messed up. And even not like I have friends who have never struggled with those sorts of things. And these still like their hunger cues aren't always like 100% on point, like we have to take into consideration, like, what our body needs. So an athlete, for an example, they have to be intentional about the way they fuel their body, or else they won't be able to perform like they want to perform, right? And then so someone with a missing period or hypothalamic amenorrhea, we have to be intentional about how we're fueling our body or else we're never going to get our period back. So that's what I had to do. I was like, okay, I've been eating intuitively for the past how many years and that's not working for me, right? Like just going by my hunger cues, that's clearly not working for me. So how can I be intentional? Like what do I know um, about what my body needs right now? So that's when I started making those big shifts to how I was actually eating. Yeah, I'm so glad you dug into that more because that it really is part of intuitive eating as a whole, like true intuitive eating is tuning in to your body in every area, not just hunger and fullness and eating the foods we want to eat, but tuning into where our bodies misaligned and leaning into that and figuring out what is best for us in in this case eating more and, you know, and moving in a way that that works for you. Could you explain a little bit? And, you know, I was going to have you explain this before. So I'll have you kind of back up a little bit and then move forward. (laughs) Could you explain why it's so important for women to have a regular period? And can you explain um, why eating more and maybe moving differently is important to this process? Mm -hmm. So our periods are seriously a huge true sign of health as a female, right? So a woman will stop menstruating when her body is perceiving stress or feeling like it's overworked and overstressed. And the reason why increasing food and decreasing exercise are probably the two most effective things you can do in order to get your period back is because when you are working to get your period back, you need to address the stressors and under eating is one of the biggest stressors you can put your body through and over exercising is another huge stressor. I mean, just simply exercising is a stress on the body. So over-exercising puts your body at a deficit, right? So you might actually be eating an appropriate amount, but over-exercising, so you're actually putting your body at a big deficit. Um, So when you're getting your period back or working towards that goal, you really need to address all of those stressors. And typically in women, 
those are going to be the two biggest stressors for anyone without a period, right? It's so common to have a client with no period and they either have a history of disordered eating or eating disorders or not even a history. They're currently in the muck of it and also exercising in a way that isn't appropriate for their body because, again, we're not all the same either. There are some women that have to completely stop exercising in order to get their periods back. Um, But really, that's where I like coaching women through this process because we're all so different. And I think it really comes down to like our relationship with exercise and our relationship with food and like our whole belief system around that. You know, it's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, it is so cool because we are so unique and so individual and there is no one size fits all. Just like there's no one size fits all when we're eating intuitively, there's no one size fits all when we're trying to heal whatever we're trying to heal in our bodies. I know for me, I had to take a period of time where I stopped running. I'm a runner and I love to run and I'm so thankful that I can run in a way that is healthy and balanced now because it's just one of those one of those things that I just love. That's my one of my favorite ways of moving other than just walking. (laughs) But I had to stop running for like a number of years in order to get my hormones back into balance. I had um, hypothalamic amenorrhea for a few years. Um, Nothing as crazy extreme as you. um, But I also have PCOS. So like getting my hormones back into balance really required me to slow down and take a good hard look at exercise, which was so hard for me when I'm like, well, everyone tells us that exercise is so good for you and so good for your health. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes we need to slow down and allow our bodies to heal. Totally. Yeah, it can be a really challenging thing to do. I know for some people, like the food component is the most tough thing. Um, but then for others, it's the exercise piece that really, really is the tough one for them. Yeah. Oh, it can be so hard no matter, no matter what it is, but I'm wondering, um, I'm trying to catch my train of thought over here. (laughs) I'm wondering if you can share some of the other ways you kind of reduced the stress in your life other than just you're, so you're eating more and you're moving in a way that feels good. You said you didn't have to adjust that too much. But what were some of the other areas where you had to address like stress on your body or stress in your life in order to, to heal and get your period back? Yeah. So for me, I actually started meditating every single day. And I think that just really helped my body so much um, get into that full relaxation piece. And again, like, you know, eating more and exercising less are really like the two things that you have to do. But then you have to remember that it's just stress overall that you have to really take into account. And if you kind of feel like you're almost like on all the time, right? Um, And even if you don't, I feel like meditation is just a really key thing that you could add into this recovery journey. Um, For me, it was also, I mean, I don't think this is on the list of 
things you have to do in order to get your period back. But it was on my list in order to make the journey like as meaningful and yeah, it was just, it was one of my things that I had to do, but it wasn't like on the list of this is what you have to do for HA recovery. You know what I mean? Um, but just like healing my relationship and like the beliefs that I had around my body too, had a lot of light bulb moments go off. Um, like you don't have to be constantly like fighting your body because I think both you and I have lived moments in our life where we feel like we either have to be on this full on pursuit of trying to love our bodies. And if we don't feel that way, we have to be trying to change something about that. And we never really allow ourselves to just be okay with how they are, you know? And I remember it was probably in, I don't know, a year ago now, um, for sure. I was just sitting there one day and I was like, wow, I actually like don't hate how I look, but I also don't love how I look. And so I discovered this gray area and it was probably like my favorite place to be was just neutral about my body. And then I discovered this thing called body neutrality. And I was like, wow, this is really cool to just be like, whatever about your body. And I feel like that's kind of where all women should almost want to be um, kind of thing. It, it It's a really cool place to be, especially when you spent so many years of your life, like fighting it or trying to love it so much. Um, so that was big for me. And then just again, like doing what I do with my clients with going back to those old wounds that I was still holding on to. So, you know, I went back to when my eating disorders first started. I was like, why? I honestly, you know what I did? I did a lot of mental work that I never did ever through eating disorder recovery. And it was like, why did I never, you know, the, I worked with amazing psychologists and therapists and things like that, but it was more like talk therapy. And although that's really great, I think for lasting results, you really need to do some sort of brain rewiring type of therapy. So that's what I started doing on myself and it worked wonders. (laughs) Oh, so cool. So much there. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I love that you shared that space of body neutrality that you came to, because I think that there is this idea in the world that we either hate our bodies or we love our bodies. But oftentimes, what we need to do is just simply come to that place that you talked about, that neutral place where we're not fighting our bodies anymore and we're not hating our bodies anymore. So 
where would you recommend the woman who's going through this or who's maybe gone through an eating disorder um, or disordered eating or is just on their intuitive eating journey and they're watching their body shift because body shifts do happen when we heal our relationship with food. They don't always, but more often than not, they do. So how would you, how do you encourage your clients and how would you encourage the woman who's dealing with those body changes to come to that place of body neutrality? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have three things come into my mind like right now, and I'm sure I can think of 50 more, but we'll go with these three to start. So number one, I've never been someone who like weighed myself, but I feel like a lot of women do. And I'm just every single time a woman comes to me about weighing herself, I'm like, why are you still doing this? But I guess it was just never a habit of mine. But once I realized how many women do it, I'm like, wow, I need to start talking about this more. So if you're weighing yourself, this is not going to help you through your journey. What I did, because I knew when I started this journey back in August of 2018, I knew I would get my period back, right? Like I was determined that that's what was going to happen. So by the end of it, I wanted to know like, okay, how much did my body actually need to gain in order to feel safe and healthy again? So at the beginning of my journey, I actually did step on a scale, because I wanted like the data, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I stepped on it once and I didn't step on a scale until I got my period Mm. because I simply just wanted to know like what I did. And it wasn't like the day I got my period. I was like, okay, now I need to know how much weight I gained. It was like a while after, but Mm -hmm. I was just curious. And it was so cool that I was able to step on the scale again and just be like, cool. Like I feel so healthy and that's just a number, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So if a woman is going through these body changes, definitely let's get that scale out of our life. Like if you have a husband or a partner, get them to hide it or, you know, if you live by yourself, like give it away to a friend or something like that, because you're more likely than not going to be very tempted to step on it throughout your journey. And if you're constantly seeing like two pound fluctuations throughout your journey, that's just going to make this so much more like gruesome for you. Like it's not going to be fun. And then my second suggestion would be to get clothes that actually like fit you and make you feel good. Um, I mean, I'm very lucky and you and I were talking about this before we even hit record, but we're really lucky to like work from home. And I mean, I was, I live in Lulu's all the time anyways, but during recovery when I was gaining quite a bit of weight like I just wore stretchy pants and big sweaters all the time until I actually felt comfortable wearing real clothes right Mm -hmm. Um, because now I can wear whatever I want and feel really good but we have to honor our bodies and just like if you don't feel comfortable wearing a certain outfit like that's okay 
find something that is comfortable and just be wearing that all the time. I literally wore the same thing all the time and that's okay. Um, but again, very blessed to work from home. And then, um, the third thing is like, stop body checking and stuff like that. Like if you're constantly pinching at your stomach or feeling the rolls like under your bra or just looking at your abs in the mirror or like whatever you're doing, that also is not supporting your like process of your changing body, right? Like that this is not like the body checking that just isn't going to help you get to this place of body neutrality. I feel the most neutral about my body when I spend the least amount of time in the mirror. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such, such good advice. Cause the, the thing that kept coming up for me as you're sharing all these things, other than you can see me like nodding, like, yes, totally. I remember the moment I threw away the scale and then told my husband and we like couldn't even have any measuring tape in the house because I used to like measure my stomach. That was, oh my gosh. And I'm so glad that we, we don't anymore. But the thing that kept coming up for me is that doing these things helps you move forward. You can be held back from really truly healing when you still have these, you know, these tools around these things that are keeping you in this place of fighting with your body, but instead allowing you to kind of lean into your body and lean into the changes by being comfortable, by not weighing yourself, by not body checking. So I love those. Like you actually are able to just be in your body. And because when you're like looking at all these external things, it like prevents you from actually just being and being able to enjoy like what is right. Um, so yeah, definitely let go of all those things. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, one of the things I, I love that you share on Instagram are your like celebrate moments and celebrating your body. So how did learning how to celebrate your body come into this whole journey of yours? Oh my gosh, what a great question. So actually, interestingly enough, that whole Celebrate You Sunday was really inspired by my eating disorder recovery when I was in high school. So when I was going through actually even my eating disorder when I was like 10 years old, that's when it started, truthfully. Um, I was going through recovery and it was really, really challenging, obviously, as a child And my parents were amazing and super supportive. And they really um, forced me to focus on all the good things that were happening, you know, so I don't know, I'd go see a dietitian and she'd increase my meal plan and my world felt like it was falling apart. So they'd help me shift my focus and okay, like what can we celebrate though? Oh, you ate this and you like didn't freak out about it and it just feels normal now, right? Like just celebrating things because when we shift our focus, that is a part of brain rewiring, which is why it's so important during any type of like during life, right? But especially useful when you're going through something like um, eating disorder recovery or like HA recovery. So for me, I mean, obviously the biggest celebration would be getting my period back for sure. And I mean, I'm currently on like period number seven right now. And every single time it comes, I'm like, 
celebrating my body nonstop. And what I would really encourage our listeners to do is be celebrating themselves like throughout the journey, right? Not just waiting for that period to come because I see a lot of women waiting and waiting and waiting and then getting really frustrated and anxious and antsy with their body. And it's like, okay, but like you put your body through so much. How do you just expect your period to come back after like a month of doing this, you know? So definitely celebrating yourself along the way, whether that's, I mean, whatever was like challenging for you before celebrate yourself for doing it now. Like maybe you're doing the things now that were really challenging for you before. Um, maybe, you know, you threw your scale out, celebrate that, you know, maybe you're finally listening to your hunger cues and eating tons of food celebrate that maybe you're no longer like measuring out every single thing you eat celebrate that that's a huge celebration so just like finding all these like little things to celebrate about yourself throughout the journey and not just waiting for that period to come yeah oh my gosh I could not love that more and I love that you mentioned just those little things it doesn't need to be these big milestones you know and you don't need to wait you can celebrate all those little things on your journey I think the same thing applies to any woman who's going through a journey with food freedom or body freedom every time I know that I did that a lot in my intuitive eating journey because there was a lot of ebbs and flows in my intuitive eating journey it's sort of kind of stopped midway through I started working on my intuitive eating and then I had I got pregnant with my second daughter and so I was eating intuitively through my pregnancy but pregnancy is a little bit different than like everyday life (laughs) and then on the second half I remember celebrating little moments where I was in this postpartum period which is such a unique time in a woman's life and I remember you know, celebrating not weighing myself or telling myself that I wasn't, like, I didn't get weighed when I went to the doctor's office. And because I would have before, I would have been so hung up. I was with my first daughter on like, oh my gosh, how much weight did I lose after baby? And that was just, that was just my story. But then, um, you know, celebrating those little things where I'm like, I'm going to buy a pair of pants that feel good for me no matter what size they are and mm-hmm. not even look at them. And I'm not going to go on a diet to lose the baby weight. I'm going to let my body fall into place. And then, you know, the same thing when I got my period back after having my second daughter and it was much sooner than with my first. And I was so excited because I'm like, oh, my body is working. <laughs> After oh, having such it gone for a while. Feeling. It is such an amazing feeling when you know like what an important part of our female physiology it is and you can start to embrace it. And I think it's an uncomfortable topic for a lot of women because they're, you know, we've been taught for So like many of us have been taught that it's one of those things that's like kind of gross and like it's like, oh, we have to have this thing happen as a woman every single month and it's such a burden. But it really is a gift and one of those things that makes us a woman. So when we can celebrate every step along that path, then it doesn't become this burdensome thing anymore. It becomes a celebration of our bodies every single month. Yes, absolutely. So that's actually something else that I really had to work on. I grew up never talking about my period. 
And it was really something that was ingrained into my mind that it was something that we should hide and like be embarrassed about and not talk about. And now I openly publish every single month to thousands of people that I have my period (laughs) because it's time to normalize this stuff. And I think that's another reason why so many women like keep like themselves in this area of their life where they're sick and not getting their period because it's not something that is really like highlighted in a woman's life. Um, so that is something like if someone is listening to this episode right now and they can feel like themselves getting uncomfortable talking about a period and things like that, that would definitely be an area I would urge them to dive into and see what kind of like beliefs or misunderstandings they're holding on to. And it might not even be their own beliefs or trauma around it. It might be from their mother, might be from their grandmother. Like what does, how does their mom treat their body? How does the grandmother treat their body? That sort of thing. Um, That's definitely something to dive into as well. Um, And it can open up a lot of things to work on for sure. But that was also a part of my journey, um, 100%. And that's, um, it was a really key part for my healing for sure. I think it's such a cultural thing too, right? In North America, we don't tend to celebrate it so much as there's other countries who have like parties when the woman has her first period because it's a sign of fertility and it's a sign of our womanhood. But here we are so oftentimes closed off about it. And it's funny that now I have no qualms talking about it. And I hope that I'm, you know, open to talking to I have two girls to like talking to my kids about it and that they'll feel open talking about it and talking to me about it and having it be something that is celebrated and that isn't as you know thought of as being like icky or or burdensome so yeah like we have to hide this from like all the men in our lives like they they can't know like I talk so openly now and I have so many guy cousins that follow me on Instagram and I post like, I got my period today. And like, if they don't like it, then that's their own issue. But it's just another example of how we need to just, it's normal, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah. Yeah, Totally normalize it. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. I don't think my husband knew what he was getting into. When when I went through my whole journey of finding freedom with food and with my body, there were so many things that came along with that and just becoming comfortable in my body as a whole and this being one of those things. And I don't think he had any idea what he was getting into. Like, we will openly talk about it. We will openly talk about, like, I love the Diva Cup and I talk to all my friends about it. And he just kind of like rolls his eyes and is like, oh, she's talking about her period again. <laughs> again <laughs> I know but it is I love that we can talk about this as a celebration and you can share your journey that you've gone through um, and what an important journey that it's been for your life and for your health as a whole even after you healed from this eating disorder your body still had this healing to do but it is something that we can we can celebrate now so I love that thank you 
So are, were there any other tools that you used that you could recommend to women who are on this journey of getting their period back or healing from, you know, any sort of like kind of hormonal imbalances? I know you mentioned chlorophyll in the beginning, and I know there is no one size fits all, but there's always, you know, tools that women can use. And I know that you also love essential oils. Could you share any of those, any of those other tools? Yeah. So one thing I do want to say before I share these tools is honestly to get your period back, like seed cycling. I'm pretty sure we all heard of seed cycling. Like that's not going to bring your period back. No amount of supplements are going to bring your period back. It's most likely like uh, 99.9% of the time, it's going to be the fact that you're over-exercising and under-fueling for your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're having a really hard time sitting with that, then it's even more for you, right? Mm -hmm. If that makes you really uncomfortable and you're kind of fighting that reality, that means that that's the truth for you. Um, and I don't see too many women like not being like super uncomfortable with that. Right. Most of us are like, Ooh, no, that doesn't really feel right. I don't like that answer. So tell me what supplements to use. Mm -hmm. Like no sweetheart. That's not the way it works. So I just want to let you all know about that. Mm -hmm. Um, afterwards I started using chlorophyll. So when I started getting my period, it was like during my, like my actual bleed and afterwards I felt so depleted, right? Mm -hmm. I was just like so tired and kind of just like not myself. I'm never really a tired person. That's not something I've ever dealt with. And I just felt depleted. And so chlorophyll, it's amazing for blood building. So any dark, like leafy green or dark vegetables like beets and blueberries and blackberries, like dark foods, grass-fed beef, all amazing things for um, to eat like while you're on your period and even the week after or the week leading up if you're kind of feeling like you need some, um, but especially the week of your period and the week after. So I started integrating chlorophyll into my routine um, for those blood building properties specifically. And then I just carried with it throughout my entire cycle because not only is it blood building, so it's really great for those first two weeks of your cycle, but it's also amazing for those last two weeks of your cycle, so week three and four, because it's amazing for detoxification. So for the last half of our cycle, like weeks three and four, we really want to work on like those detoxing properties um, or like the benefits. So that's why I do it for my whole cycle. But you can kind of like pick and choose if you just want to do it for the detoxing benefits or if you wanted to do it for the blood building benefits. I noticed that when I have it for the first half of my cycle, I don't feel as tired and like drained, which makes sense because it's so great for blood building. And then when I continue it for the rest of my cycle, my face, like I don't get breakouts leading up to my Mm. cycle. And it's super interesting because I think I was doing it for the last two 
and I had no breakouts. And then I was traveling. I was in Arizona, didn't have my liquid chlorophyll with me. And it was the week leading up to my period. And then I get home and I mean, travel could have done it too, but I went like five days without having my chlorophyll and then I broke out and got my period too. (laughs) So I don't think that's a coincidence. So I really love chlorophyll for that. I get asked about seed cycling a lot. There's honestly no studies proving that Mm. seed cycling works if you're really like reliant on the science. Um, If you're more about personal experience, I know a lot of women who have said that they received benefits by seed cycling. But in my opinion, it's probably more about the fact that they're taking in maybe more calories through like the nuts or they're getting more healthy fats and those like vitamins and minerals that are actually in the seeds more than seed cycling itself. Like that's kind of my take on things. And then, yeah, you know, I'm all about essential oils. And for me personally, I used essential oils for like stress Mm -hmm. to reduce my stress. There's essential oils work on our brain. So they're so much more than just a pretty smell. It's not that you smell lavender and you really love the smell of lavender. So, oh, like you just feel happy and calm. There's actually chemical compounds in lavender essential oil. And when you inhale them, they send signals to your brain and then a chemical reaction occurs. So there's a lot more science behind essential oils than a lot of people even realize. So I took that into account and used it for my mental and emotional health. And um, there's also a lot of hormone benefits in essential oils as well. So One of my favorites is clary sage and geranium is another favorite of mine. So I use those every day um, throughout my recovery journey and I still use them. Um, Clary sage is a natural anti-spasmatic. So if you are getting like those period cramps and you're wanting a natural option, I would definitely um, recommend clary sage essential oil. Yeah, I'm nodding over here. And I, it's funny, I couldn't use clary sage for a while after I, um, (laughs) after I had my kids, because I used it during labor. (laughs) Because it actually helps to like increase your contractions, and it Mm -hmm. actually works. But now that's something that I will also use if I have any sort of cramping, which is rare now for me, but it used to be something. So I love that you shared some other ways that you can integrate chlorophyll and oils and those and those other tools but that they're not going to do the work of Mm -hmm. increasing your food and changing your movement so that you do gain your period back and you find that place of balance with your health thank you yeah I feel like you know we can all jump on YouTube or the Google and Google all these podcasts like how to get your period back and kind of sit there and cross our fingers that they're just going to say like maca powder is going to help us get it back or something like that. But yeah, you got to do the work. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. I have taken all of the supplements and done all of the things. And it was it still shocks me to this day that my cycle is regular, that it comes like the exact same. It's not, you know, that quote unquote, like perfect 28 to 30 day, but it comes in the same range every single month now. And that was after I'm 30 now. That was it was probably after I had my second daughter that it really became regular. So 20, well, I guess not 28 years, but however many years that was, you know, um, more than more than 15 years of it not being regular. And it wasn't due to any, you know, supplements or anything fancy that I did, but it really was finding that balance with with food and and movement for sure. So that's why I wanted to have you on because I think your journey is just it's so inspirational. And I know there are women out there who haven't gotten their period in a number of years or who don't even realize what an important part of our health it is or might like we were talking about might be too scared to talk to someone about it or you know realize that this could be this is something that they could change that they could actually pursue finding this place of balance with Mm -hmm. well thank you so much for having me on I enjoyed chatting with you Yeah, me too. Do you have any last advice for the woman who feels like she'll never get out of this cycle of either restricting herself and is afraid to eat more or feels like she'll never get her period back? Mm -hmm. I feel like what I would say, because obviously I was that girl at one point too, right? Um, I think we all know, at least I had these like little inner whispers um, of just like things that I knew that needed to change in my life. And instead of like pushing them aside and like going to other people for their advice, you know, we just need to tune in and really honor what's coming like intuitively to us. Right. So I knew that there were some things that needed to change for me for sure. And instead of just pushing those away, like you have to just listen to them. And if there's a big, long list for you, start with one thing, you know, like if you if you are scared to eat a certain food or a big, long list of certain foods, start with one, like make that list. You can write out a whole list of foods that you're scared to eat, but then just like start with one and see what happens. That's where I would say. Yeah, I love that. It makes it feel so much less overwhelming than just eat a thousand more calories a day or eat a ton more until you get your period back. But start with one food that you're afraid of. Start with, you know, maybe eating a little bit more. Start with moving a little bit less. Start with one thing and and then move forward from there. So awesome. Well, I have three final sort of rapid fire questions. You can spend as much time on them as you want. (laughs) But I have three final questions I love to ask my guests because I love sharing food in a way that is joyful. So the first question is, what is your favorite thing to cook? Ooh, so good. I have like so many things going through my head right now. Um, my favorite thing to cook, okay, I'm on a huge plantain kick right now, and I think I make the best plantains in the world. How do you <laughs> so make them? Like, 
Okay, I do have the full recipe on my website. Okay, <laughs> I'll don't... have to link that. <laughs> you have to check it out. Um, they're so good. I call them ghee glazed plantains. So a lot of people will just like fry their plantains, but these are like these like delicious tender plantains like absolutely covered in this like thick ghee sauce. So good. Um yeah, I've been like on a huge kick of those right now and then maybe some like shredded pork in the slow cooker. I really like that. Any type of like shredded meat in the slow cooker or like the instant pot always can make my day. And then um a vegetable of some type like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> that would be like my favorite meal right now. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. It's almost dinner time for us now, so I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need to go refuel. Yeah, I need to get some plantains once once we're allowed to go back to the grocery store. Right? <laughs> Try yeah. Actually, I realized this morning I was making myself some eggs for breakfast that we were almost out of ghee. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we need to order ghee immediately. <laughs> it's yeah. one of those staple foods. It's just so good. Yes, I agree with that. So then what is your favorite thing to order if you go out to a restaurant or have someone cook for you? Ooh, okay. Our number one, like if we're going out, I really love, because I love cooking and I cook a lot. So when we go out, I like trying to have something that I typically wouldn't make at home or it's just not like as good if I make it. So usually we'll go for like authentic Indian food mm. just because Indian's like my favorite food, like a really spicy, I don't know, curried lamb, something like that. I really like that. So good. Oh my gosh. I love Indian food too. And we don't have any really good places around us. So we have to like seek out the good Indian food. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so good. I crave Indian food for sure. Well, that kind of goes along too with like the warming foods and the hot food. You said you're drawn <laughs> to those foods, right? That totally makes sense. I love it. <laughs> so the last question is we talk a lot here. I talk a lot about finding what I like to call your beautiful balance. This place where we are going beyond obsessing over food and our bodies, but finding nourishment and pleasure in food and in life. So what does your beautiful balance mean to you? Ooh, such a great question. Honestly, I feel like just going every single day without a plan and just allowing myself to tune into my body and really honor whatever she needs. So that looks so different from day to day, but I thrive off of like always keeping myself hydrated, like there's like those key things, right? So I always need to make sure that I'm fully hydrated or else I just don't feel my best. And then also focusing on those like real whole foods, but my body, like I intuitively know that my body thrives off of more cooked foods than cold raw foods. And then I basically eat chocolate every day. So <laughs> that would be my balance. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I eat chocolate every day too. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Meg, such 
an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your story, for sharing all of your wisdom. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.